Therefore the Lord said to Solomon, Because you've done this and you've not kept my covenant and my statutes which I have commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom away from you and give it to your servant. Again, there's that cause and effect, that sowing and reaping. Because you have done this, I am going to do this. There's the condition, there's the, the, the cause and the effect. The cause was him doing this evil thing, and the effect is going to be God punishing him for it. All exclaiming, Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. God promised the entire kingdom of Israel to the descendants of David forever, only if they remained obedient. David reminded Solomon of this promise shortly before his death, yet they could not remain faithful even for one generation. Solomon's kingdom was an outstanding example of wealth, military power, and prestige. Yet the true security of Israel did not rest in any of those things. It rested in the blessings of God and in the obedience and faithfulness of their king such as the lives of those who believe in Jesus Christ and stay totally surrendered to His direction. Obey God and leave the consequences to Him. Now here's Pastor Rob. You're basically loving, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, okay? I'm, not, I'm just having fun with the word. But it's only, it's one word. The Bible doesn't, uh, in Hebrew, doesn't differentiate from the different types of love. We have to discern that through the context. We know it in context, like we do in English. We say we love our car, and we love our wife, and we love God, but we know that there's different levels of love. Same thing here, but he loved these, he clung to these, and he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines, so he had 1,000 women in his life, and as you know this, polygamy was common in the Middle East, in the Near East, and, um, but it certainly was not wise, and it wasn't God's design. God allowed it, but it wasn't his best. Remember what he said to Adam and Eve. Remember what happened when God put Abraham to sleep. The Lord caused, and this is in Genesis 2, verse 21, it says, The Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs, and he closed up the flesh in its place. And then the rib, which the Lord had taken from the man, he, had, he, he made into a woman. The, the material was already there. The DNA was already there. He didn't need to create another woman from the dust. He made man, and woman means out of man because she came out of him right where the heart is. Right behind that rib is where the heart is, and God took her from that same area. I love that. How much does God love the bride of Christ? It was right on his heart. And Adam said, God made her and brought her to the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And they too, they too shall become one flesh. Not they thousands shall become one flesh. As soon as Solomon began to multiply things, wives and concubines and princesses, his nightmare began. 
Not because there was something wrong with the ladies. But God told him, didn't he, in Deuteronomy, you shall not multiply wives. But he did. You shall not multiply horses, but he did. You shall not amass gold and hoard it like you're doing, Solomon. How much is enough, Solomon? I've made you wealthy. You're a big shot. Everybody, everyone from all over the world is coming to see you. But that's not enough. I want more. And you know, you know what I think is true about Solomon? And I think this is interesting. Is that he truly knew both sides of the coin. God wouldn't want us to flirt with darkness so that we would have an understanding of the truth and the reality of darkness. Because the darkness, in involving ourselves in the darkness, what does it do? It destroys us and ultimately could destroy us. But like David, having known the bitter pill that comes, the consequence that comes after the sin, they have something to say about it. And they can tell us about it. And it would behoove us to listen to them and say, man, you know, when you read Psalm 32 and Psalm 51 after David's uh, adultery with Bathsheba, you read that and it just scares the daylights out of every man. It should. You know, if you're hanging around and doing things, read Psalm 32 and Psalm 51 and let it quake you a little bit. Let it shake your tree a little bit because it's supposed to do that. But they were to become one flesh. And how can he become one flesh with a thousand women? God told him not to do it, but he did it anyway. For it was so when Solomon was old, notice that his wives turned his heart after other gods. And his heart was not loyal to Jehovah God. To, that's what that, when you see the Lord, all caps, L-O-R-D, that, that, that's Yahweh, that's Jehovah. That is God the Father in all of his effulgence. That's the covenant-making, keeping God. And he was not loyal to the Lord as God, as was the heart of his father, David. Notice that. David, yes, even with all of his mistakes, God says, oh, I love that man. Because he made the big mistakes, he repented, he was broken, and he went after me with all of his heart. See, that's the way to turn things around. If you've really stepped in it, and you've really made a mess of your life, the best thing you can do, the greatest glory you can bring to God is to say, I'm taking a 180 now, and I'm going the other direction, and I'm never going back there again. I even smell it, and I'm out of there. That is the perfect way to do it. And you glorify God. And you, you listen to him because he told you to begin with. And you know, it's interesting. There seems to be something in the heart. And, and ladies, take this carefully. And hopefully I can be careful with this. I'm not picking on you, but I think there's something. Men have a lot of problems. We have inherent sin issues. And women do too. And, and maybe you can understand this. And hopefully I can do this rightly. In Genesis 3, it says, I will greatly multiply your sorrow. And this is what he said to, uh, to, to Eve. I will greatly multiply your sorrow and conception. In pain, you shall bring forth children. And this was the, the result, the consequence of her uh, being, you know, falling into and being deceived and, and eating of the fruit and then giving it to her husband. This was the result. This was the consequence. In pain you shall bring forth children, and your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. I want you to think about that for a minute, because 
That word desire literally means to stretch out after. And the root of that word is a, 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 word, a Hebrew word called suk, which means to run after or over, to overflow. In other words, to take authority over is what I believe it means. To take authority over. It, it, it was in her sin nature now, and her desire was to over to take authority over her husband. but And you can tell that that's exactly what it means because it says, God says, but your husband shall rule over you. It doesn't mean that God is somehow chauvinistic. He's just saying as a result of that desire now in your fallen nature, you're going to want to overpower him. You're going to want to have authority over him, but he is going to rule over you. And see, in our culture, it's all flipped around. Now men have abdicated their authority in the scripture, their, their, their roles as men. And, now they're, and women will gladly fill in those voids because they have to. Somebody has to. I'm not saying that they should, but they do because the job's got to get done. And if the men aren't going to do it, there's always some lady who's very talented who can do the same thing. She may not be as strong as a man, but she may be smart as a whip and can do things, make things happen. Meanwhile, the man's sitting playing video games in his shorts, watching TV all day, eating junk food, laying around getting fat. His wife is the one doing all the, all the hard-hitting, all the work, paying the bills, washing the dishes, washing the clothes, and he's just a slob hanging around the house. Yes, I said the word slob. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not... I'm, <laughs> I mean, if, if you're getting convicted, brother, I don't know. <laughs> no, but you, you see my, my point? And so here, now Solomon's got, he's got a thousand of these women now who have that sin nature, and they're going to rule over him. And is that, that what they did? You better believe it. And I don't think they were intentionally meaning to do it. Solomon abdicated. He, whatever authority he had, he just kind of, he's like, man, I got all these beautiful girls around. I mean, think about it, guys. A thousand ladies. I mean, and, and harems, that's what, that's what they had. Harems. And, he, and, and, and all these ladies are probably the best-looking princesses you've ever seen. And so he is in that really precarious position, and now they are ruling over him. And now whatever they say. Isaiah said this, Woe to the wicked, it shall be ill with him. This is Isaiah 3, verse 11. For the reward of his hand shall be given to him. As for my people, children are their oppressors, and women rule over them. O my people, those who lead you, who lead you cause you to err and destroy the way of your paths. And Solomon freely abdicated, willingly abdicated his authority. And whenever, again, men don't walk in their God-given authority, women will fill in that gap. So guys, we need to wake up. We need to be the men that God made us to be. Is it easy? No, it's not easy. That means we gotta, we got to shun those things, the, the, the male stereotypes. There's a lot of stereotypes for men and women. We need to cast those things out and not let the culture dictate to us how we should be. We need to look at, at the Word of God and realize that a man is a real man. He's not a, uh, you know, go by the pronoun of she or it or whatever it is. I don't know. You know, a man is a man. He dresses like a man. He sounds like a man. He does man things. There's so much fun I could have with this, but I'm not. 
You, you know what I'm talking We're living in it. We're living in Sodom and Gomorrah right now. So men have abdicated that. And so Solomon is, is getting really lax here. And, and it says that his heart was not loyal, verse 4, to his God as was the heart of his father David. You know, again, um, David didn't have a problem with spiritual adultery. But Solomon did. He was flirting around with other gods. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth. Ashtoreth was the, the goddess of sex and fertility. And, and certainly with all these ladies, he had plenty of opportunities uh, to worship that god. And so, you know, Solomon had it all. And Solomon did evil in the sight, verse 6, uh, in, in the sight of the Lord, and did not fully follow the Lord as David, his father, did. Notice how many times God says that. He's always telling Solomon, remember your father David? Remember your father David? Yes, he messed up. But you remember how his heart was? He was single after me. He followed after me. And there was, it was always about me. It wasn't about all these other abominations that David knew about. No. And it says, Then Solomon built, notice, a high place for Chemosh, the abominations of Moab, on the hill that is east of Jerusalem, which is the Mount of Olives, uh, and, and Molech, the abomination of the people of Amnon. And, and he did likewise for all of his foreign wives who burned incense and sacrificed to their gods. And so the Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord God who had appeared to him twice. Now, when we, we read that, the Lord became angry with Solomon. Didn't God know this from the very beginning? Why do you think he spoke to him so often about it? Because he knew it was in his heart. That's why God spoke to him as often as he did. And God could have been angry with Solomon as soon as he was born. He could have just come down in flame and fire and just consumed Solomon, knowing what he was going to do. But God never does that. Why? Because he lets the person, he, he allows them the free choice to do what God had said. And, and that's exactly what happened. He waited for Solomon. He warned him many times. And then finally, when he did it, God says, Solomon, I'm angry with you. I told you. And so the Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned from the Lord God of Israel who had appeared to him twice. And he had commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods, but he did not keep. He didn't keep what the Lord had commanded. This word in the Hebrew is really wonderful. It means to guard and to protect, to preserve, or to watch. And it's so wonderful because in Proverbs we see it's not the exact same word, but we get the idea in Proverbs 4.23. It says, keep your heart, keep your heart, watch it, be diligent, guard over it with all diligence, for out of it spring forth the issues of life. And then in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, what does it say? Therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things which, which we have heard. The things which we have heard, we've got to listen to them and, and do them lest we drift away Lest we drift away. This word only occurs once in the New Testament. In Hebrews, this word drift away, it's a nautical term. It's a nautical term. I remember, um, and you can relate to this too, if you've ever been on the eastern seaboard uh, in the summertime swimming and the waves are coming in off the Atlantic. I remember swimming and being out there and body surfing the waves. And, and I'd be out there in front, all of our family's towels and umbrellas and stuff like that are right here, and I'm out there playing in the surf. And I did this when, when I was in my 20s and 30s, and um, the waves would pummel me on the beach. I'd go back out, and then they'd pummel me. And before long, what was happening is 
finally, after about an hour of me out there playing in the surf, I didn't know where I was. I thought everybody had left the beach. But then I looked down the beach, and they're way over there. I had no idea that the water had taken me little by little, because it did this kind of thing. And I, and I was slipping away. I was unaware of, of it even happening. Because I wasn't focused on my, my stationary point, which is where the family was. I was just having fun, and the waves were just doing this to me. A similar thing happened when we were out in the Gulf of Mexico. I'll never forget it. We were out fishing miles off the coast, couldn't even see land, threw out the anchor. We thought the anchor had caught. And in fact, it did catch, and, and probably on a coral head or something like that. But the, the boat moved, and the thing came undone, and we were dragging that anchor for miles. We had no idea because there was no focal point around. All we saw was water, and for hours, we were just floating with the tide. We had no idea. And we were miles away from where we had started. It's the idea behind this. We, you know, what, what does he say in, in, in uh, Hebrews? Give the more enos earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. That's the idea. It slips. You're not even aware of it. The little things that we do, and before long, we're just not even aware of, of, the, of, the, of the destruction of them, and it just kind of sneaks up behind us. We're not even aware it's happening. And little by little, we think we're getting away with it. And, and that's the way sin is. That's the way Satan gives us. That's the carrot that he gives us. That is what it means when it says we'll slip away. And a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Solomon ought to know, she should have known when he first started to marry Pharaoh's daughter, somebody should have come up to him and said, uh, Solomon, I know you're really great and everything, and I'm really nervous right now telling you this, but there's a lot of really good-looking girls from Judah. Really beautiful girls. And they're, they're a part of your family, too. Why don't you, you know... But he had to go for the Egyptian. Therefore the Lord said to Solomon, Because you've done this, and you've not kept my covenant and my statutes which I have commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom away from you and give it to your servant. Again, there's that cause and effect, that sowing and reaping. Because you have done this, I am going to do this. There's the condition, there's the, the, the cause and the effect. The cause was him doing this evil thing, and the effect is going to be God punishing him for it. I will surely tear the kingdom away from you. And, um, and the servant that he's talking about there in verse 11 is Jeroboam. We're going to see him a little bit later on. But notice in verse 12, nevertheless, I'm not going to do it in your days, Solomon, for the sake of David. Not even for the sake of you, but for the sake of your father whom I spoke to and I told him that I would, I would do this in your son, David. And, I'm, and, and, and Solomon, I'm doing this through you, but because of my servant David and the promise that I made to him, I'm not going to do this in your lifetime. It's going to happen after you pass. However, I will not take the whole kingdom away. I will give one tribe to your son for the sake of my servant David and for the sake of Jerusalem, which I have chosen. Now, they, used, they, they would think of Judah and Benjamin really kind of as one tribe, okay? Even though it's really, he says one tribe, he's really meaning Judah and Benjamin and the, four, and the northern ten would be his servants that he's going to rip out of his hand. But he's going to wait until Solomon dies and then Solomon's son, Rehoboam, is going to be the one to inherit 
those two tribes in the south and Jeroboam, his servant that he spoke of, is going to have the ones up north, the ten up north. And, and again, just how faithful God is. And, and I love, and again, this is God's promise, because what did he tell David back in the Davidic covenant that you all have heard a lot by now? But in, in 2 Samuel 7, in verse 15, let me just read one verse. It says, but my servant, and this is God, again, reaffirming the covenant with David. He says, but my servant shall not depart from him, or I'm sorry, but my mercy shall not depart from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from before you. I'm not going to remove him like I remove, I'm not going to remove your son Solomon like I remove Saul. For your sake, David, I'm going to let him live, and he's going to finish his life, and, and when he dies and his son takes over, that's when I'm going to bring the judgment. That's when I'm going to deal with this issue. And so the, verse 14, so the Lord raised up an adversary against Solomon, Hadad the Edomite, he was a descendant of the king in Edom. Now, Edom is in the southwest or southeast of, of Israel. And for it happened when David was in Edom, and he's referring to uh, 2 Samuel chapter 8. This is where this is referring to. For it happened when David was in Edom, and Joab, the commander of the army, had gone up to bury the slain after he had killed every male in Edom, because for six months Joab remained there with all of Israel until he had cut down every male in Edom. And Hadad fled to Egypt, he and certain Edomites of his father's servants with him. And Hadad was still a very little child. And so now this man has been hiding in Egypt. And now uh, David has passed. Solomon is in the middle of his reign. And now Hadad, being in Egypt, is now a grown man. And now he's going to come back. He's going to be a thorn in in his side, and to Solomon's side. And God was going to keep him from having to go to war, but he would antagonize. So, he's, so you got Israel here, and now you've got Hadad up here, or I'm sorry, down here in Edom, and he's creating these problems in, in the southern border of, or of Israel. And then it gets even worse than this. It says, Then they, then, then they arose from Midian uh, and, uh, and came to... Uh, to Paran, and they took men with them from Paran and came to Egypt to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, who gave him a house, a portion food for him, and gave him land. And Hadad found great favor in the sight of Pharaoh, so that he gave him him as wife, the sister of his own wife, that is, the sister of Queen Tapanes. And then the sister of Tapanes bore him Ganubath, his son, whom Tapanes weaned in Pharaoh's house. And Ganubath was in Pharaoh's household among the sons of Pharaoh. And so Hadad heard in Egypt that David rested with his fathers and that Joab, the commander of the army, was dead. So Hadad said to Pharaoh, let me depart that I may go to my own country. Let me go back to Edom now. And then Pharaoh said to him, but what have, what have you lacked with me that suddenly you seek to go to your own country? And he says, nothing, but just let me go away. And so he gathered men to him and he became a captain. Um... I'm sorry, I skipped verse 23. Let's go back to there. It says, and then God raised up. Now there's another adversary against him. Reason, the son of Eliada, who had fled from his lord, Hadadezer, the king of Zobah. This is now in the northern part of Israel, the northeast of Israel. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 1 Kings. 
Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as our location, service times, information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, and information regarding Bread of Life Academy, our new school opening in the fall of 2023. Just click the school link at the top of the page for more information. Additionally, you may also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play Podcast or Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.